We're talking two geniuses here, really, Cole Porter and Artie Shaw. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Artie Shaw recorded more Cole Porter songs than any other artist of his Is that generation. Right? Yeah. yeah. But apparently he was very sick of being asked to play Begin the Begin. In fact, Artie <laughs> Shaw did not want to be associated with the song because he was big on creating and doing classical music. Oh, You're listening to The Sill Podcast, perspectives on art and technology with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 95, Transcendent Tunes. Cole Porter's Begin the Begin. Pardon me, boy. Is that the Chad New Choo Choo? On track 49. <laughs> Big Band Era, 1935 to 1946. That's the time frame we're talking about today. 35 to 46. Pop quiz. Mm. Who wrote Don't Fence Me In? Anything Goes? It's De Lovely. What is this thing called love? You've got me under your skin. Love for sale, etc., etc., etc. Well, I don't know all of them, but I know enough of them to say that that's Cole Porter. Indeedly, diddly, did. It is. Yes, indeed. Cole Porter. And it's his song that we're talking about today. The transcendent tune for today is a signature song for the big band era that he wrote called Begin the Begin. And in high school, I used to play third trumpet. Explain third well, trumpet. Here's, here's the deal. <laughs> See, first trumpet is going, the melody of, the first trumpet is going, da 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 which is the melody for begin the begin. Mm-hmm. The third trumpet is going, da 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 Nothing like the melody at all. Uh, they had total Horrible. confidence in you uh, with the melody. Then. Oh, I was the worst trumpeter in the universe. Oh, my God. Anyways, <laughs> uh, but we had to learn, begin the begin. It's like B with a G-E-E-N. Begin. Yeah, and apparently a begin or something like that word, because mm-hmm. apparently Cole Porter might have made up that word from an original from the French begin. Mm-hmm. But it came to mean a type of dance from the Caribbean. Yes. With a kind of a rumba like beat, but maybe a bit faster. Yeah, hip swaying music. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, And you know a bit about the history of when he wrote it. and He actually wrote the song in 1935 while on a Pacific cruise. Right. Between Indonesia and Fiji, I believe. On the Franconia. A canard liner from uh, from England. Right. And he wrote it in 1935. And it was around for a couple of years, including the famous very first time it was used in the play Jubilee. Yeah, Broadway musical. Yeah. Uh, introduced by June Knight, the right. singer. in 1935. Yep. And then in 1936, Josephine Baker, the famous dancer, also used it in one of her shows. Right. Without that much of a response, it almost lay dormant for a couple of years. It really didn't get the notoriety until 1938 when Artie Shaw put together the piece mm-hmm. and recorded it for RCA in yep. uh, New York in 1938. Artie Shaw being one of the preeminent big band leaders of the time. Right, but Uh, really not that preeminent until this song came out. Yeah, yeah. And he was a brilliant clarinetist. 
really pined to be a classical musician, mm -hmm. but he was very good at this. So this was his life. Uh, he retired early, didn't he? He retired from playing the clarinet on stage in uh, any performance at the age of 43. Right. Mm -hmm. But in actual fact, in 1938, it became a big, big hit. Number one on the charts for I don't know how many weeks. Very big. And it was picked up by everybody. Every major band leader was playing it. Not only that, it went on to sell over 6 million records. Yeah. It went well into the 50s with Mario Lanza, Frank Sinatra, Johnny Mathis. Sure, Ella Fitzgerald sang As far as into our era, yeah. Pete Townsend of all people. Yeah, there's a version by Pete Townsend, which is actually quite lovely. We'll, we'll piece together a few of these for our Vox Box today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little mélange, let's mélange. say. Mélange. Oh, I love mélange. to stay French. Box Box. So, what's your story? When they begin the begin, it brings back the sound of music so tender. It brings back a night of tropical splendor. It brings back a memory evergreen. I'm with you once more under the stars and down by the shore an orchestra's playing. And even the When they begin the begin to live it again is past all endeavor till you whisper to me once more darling I love you and we suddenly know what heaven we're in When they begin the begin, Box Box. What else can we say about this wonderful tune? It was unusual in terms of its time signature, apparently. Very unusual. The length was unusual. Mm -hmm. And the format that they used was unlike any other song up to that point. Beat structure and uh, time. I can't remember the exact like wording. 16 bars or something. Yeah, repeated. repeated. Just the way the song was actually formatted was very, very different. Unusual. Unusual, yeah. yeah. In fact, Cole Porter himself, I believe, said that every time he went to do the song, he would have to use sheet music. Mm-hmm. Now, here's interesting. This is Cole Porter talking about Begin the Begin. I'm going to quote him here. He says, um, I was living in Paris at the time, and somebody suggested that I go to see the Black Martiniquois, many of whom lived in Paris, do their native dance called the Begin. This I did quickly, and I was very much taken by the rhythm of the dance. The rhythm was practically that of the already popular rumba, but much faster. 
The moment I saw it, I thought of Begin the Begin as a good title for a song and put it away in a notebook, adding a memorandum as to its rhythm and tempo. Mm-hmm. And then later he resurrects this idea. Right. So it turns out that Begin the Begin was not even the A side of the recording that Artie Shaw put out. It no, was, it was the, the B-side. Side. And it wasn't even the original song for the B-side. There was another song that was supposed to go in its place. Right. Uh, and the A-side, by the way, was Indian Love Call, which right. was a much faster uh, rhythm. Mm-hmm. And so Shaw wanted to begin the begin as a kind of a counterpoint to this fast A-side. Right. Uh, he had to kind of fight for that. The recording manager at the time didn't like the idea. Thought it was mm-hmm. a waste of time, apparently. Yep. <laughs> and it turns out that that's the song, that's the side that the public glommed onto. And, you know, if you study music history in general, you'll find that this has happened more than once. Oh, Sure. Yeah, even, yeah, yeah. even in the transcendent tunes we did, we discovered that, with Bob Dylan specifically. Right. Yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right. More significantly for me is the number of artists who undertook to create their own versions of it. Mm-hmm. There's almost a, a revival, and the song is being used now, so it spans five or six decades. Yeah, and a lot of great artists, in a way, were discovered that way with that song. For example, uh, Harry James, who mm. was a great jazz trumpeter, of that era. Apparently, he ran into this little singer in this small club one day singing Begin the Begin, and he was so taken with this little singer and his voice and the song, that the way he talked the song almost, that he invited this little singer to be a vocalist in his big band, and the little singer turned out to be Frank Sinatra. Frankie Sinatra, yeah. right? So he began, in a way, with Begin the Begin, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. began his career. And actually, well. it's a pretty nice rendition. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think we should, just for the sake of clarity, we should go over the words because it was a song with lyrics first mm-hmm. and then an instrumental later. What really. kind of contrasting sentiments throughout the music? Very interesting because yeah. it's not exactly a love song. It kind of goes back and forth. It's really interesting. Uh, listen to these words here. When they begin the begin, it brings back the sound of music so tender. It brings back a night of tropical splendor. It brings back a memory evergreen. I'm with you once more under the stars and down by the shore an orchestra's playing and even the palms seem to be swaying when they begin the begin. To live it again is past all endeavor except when that tune clutches my heart and there we are swearing to love forever and promising never, never to part. What moments divine, what rapture serene till clouds came along to disperse the joys we had tasted. And now when I hear people curse the chance that was wasted, I know but too well what they mean. So don't let them begin the begin. Let the love that was once a fire remain an ember. Let it sleep like the dead desire I only remember when they begin the begin. Oh yes, Let them begin the begin. Make them play till the stars that were there before return above you. Till you whisper to me once more, darling, I love you. And we suddenly know what heaven we're in when they begin the begin. Mm -hmm. Now, that second last line of the lyrics, and we suddenly know what heaven we're in, that wasn't the original. The original was, and we suddenly know the sweetness of sin when they begin the begin. (laughs) Interesting. They softened that a little bit, Mm -hmm. right, to make it more palatable. But it's interesting that it's all about a love that was lost, a chance that was missed somehow. Mm -hmm. It doesn't go into detail. Right. 
Doesn't say how or why.、Mm-hmm. Just that it was a missed opportunity that the singer or the writer kind of regrets in a way, right? And it's kind of interesting because it's in contrast not only lyrically from beginning to end, but also the tempo and rhythm of the music, which would suggest an upside more than a downside. Yeah, it's kind of up and down and up. He's saying begin the begin, then he's saying don't let them begin the begin, and then he's saying oh yes, let them begin the begin. Right, <laughs> he's not、right. really sure what he wants them to do.、Mm-hmm. He just knows that if they play the tune, it's a painful reminder of a missed opportunity.、Mm-hmm. Yet the embers are there, so he still wants to hear the tune. It's almost ballad-like. Oh, very. But in a song though that really emanates from the swing era, 1935 to 40. Six, roughly the swing era,、yep. a time when people went not only to hear the music but primarily to dance. Well, it was World War Two from 1939 to 1945. People were looking for an uplift, and this was the perfect、uh, ingredient. Yeah, 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 and especially when they won the war too,、mm. big celebrations. Day, May of yeah, 45, big yeah. band in those nights at these clubs, or hundreds and hundreds of people just wailing away, dancing. Tremendous drop off in big band music in、mm-hmm. 1946. The、yep. war is over. A lot more vocalists now come into the scene. You've got your Frank Sinatras, your Ella Fitzgeralds, who are now beginning to create a lot of these single vocal tunes, with still the orchestration backing them up. However, they're going more into another venue now. It's、mm-hmm. more of the focus on the vocals and and less on the big band sound. Although you mentioned to me earlier today, there's a Canadian musician that you referred to, who, Colin James, who, who kind of brought a big band sound into his music.、Mm-hmm. So it's not dead; the elements of it still live on. No, it actually it dropped off after the war and then resurrected again in the 50s.、Mm-hmm. Because if you listen to a lot of the crooners, your Dean Martins, your Frank Sinatras, your Johnny Mathis's. They still have the element of that band sound in the background. There was still a lot of orchestration. Yes, that's right. In their music, and that orchestration really was there to support the vocalist in、mm-hmm. a way. The vocalist was the star of that music. Nowadays, vocalists are often sort of lost in the production values and、right. background music and stuff, and the wall of sound sort of thing.、Mm-hmm. Back then, there wasn't really a wall of sound. It was really a subtle, and the background music really did. Like a jewel, like give a setting for the yes, diamond, right, which、exactly. was the voice, which was the vocalist, was the vocalist,、right. and so people like Ella Fitzgerald and Sarah Vaughan, Frank, and those guys, they cut their teeth and singing. Not, and it's also one of the reasons why people often say, you know, one of the things, perhaps not our generation or generations after us, although that's a debatable point. You often hear the phrase, people say. One of the reasons why I like that song is because I could understand every word. Yeah, that's right. Clear as a bell. You listen to Pete Townsend's version. What moments divine! What raptures serene! The clouds came along to disperse the joys we had tasted. And now when I hear people curse the chance that was wasted, I know but too well what they mean. Every single word is really clear, and I wonder if that's really the genius of Cole Porter too—to create lyrics that, when sung, 
were crisp and clear and understandable and relatable. Yeah, and it wasn't only the actual singing of it. It was the words were written to be understood. Sure. I've got you under my skin. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful line, right? Clear, great metaphor. Yeah, I mean, genius. We're talking two geniuses here, really, Cole Porter and Artie Shaw. Mm -hmm. And by the way, Artie Shaw recorded more... Cole Porter songs than any other artist of his Is that generation. Right? Yeah. yeah. But apparently he was very sick of being asked to play Begin the Begin. In fact, Artie <laughs> Shaw did not want to be associated with the song because he was big on creating and doing classical music. Right. And this was more like a pop song of the era mm -hmm. in, in many ways. Yeah. Uh, and, and he became famous. And no matter where he performed, he would always be asked to do mm -hmm. this particular tune. <laughs> right? Yeah. The other interesting thing about the swing era, too, is that it was a time of segregation mm -hmm. in the United States. And these bands had black musicians in them. They had black vocalists. And they dared to go into these cities in the South yep. and demand that their black musicians got equal treatment. Yes. So in some ways, they were ahead of the wave mm -hmm. in terms of equal rights in the United States. Right. And it's also about the era, mm -hmm. not just the music. Yep. Right? Consider the times and the diversity. Cole Porter did not just make music for these artists. He made music for Broadway. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. These songs are all written as part of Broadway tunes. Mm -hmm. So they're meant to be kind of big and broad. Mm -hmm. All encompassing. Uh, yeah. And larger than life. Yes. And I think you pointed this out the other day, and I agree with you, that songs back then about love and romance were truly romantic songs. They weren't about sexy, sexy. Right. Uh, you know, I love your body, baby. Yeah. I love the way your booty shakes it up. Yeah, it was, you know, it was, it, a, it was more of a sentimental <laughs> expression. The rest yeah. is inferred, so to speak. Right, um, right. You use your own mind to extrapolate the rest, but you're not putting it in people's faces. Yeah. There's no need to be, I wouldn't say the word vulgar because there's nothing wrong with being descriptive about the body and physical senses and so on. But the crudeness is mm -hmm. not there yes. in, in some instances. Because it's also about timing, right? And where the words are used. Sometimes they're effectively used. They're not gratuitous. The feeling I get sometimes from music I hear nowadays, not all of it, but some of it is almost gratuitous. It's mm -hmm. like sensationalistic. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Cole Porter wrote that song, Love for Sale. Yeah. Right? Love for sale. And it's about prostitution. Right. Ultimately. But it's so kind of more... But he makes it sound like you're tiptoeing through the tulips. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. It's yeah. like flowers for sale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, well, because it's a fact of life. It's not something to be hidden. You don't have to desecrate it. Yeah. You can treat it as kind of the joyous thing that it is mm -hmm. under the right circumstances. Yeah, exactly. Love for sale. Prostitution is no surprise. Right. So, I mean, Cole Porter, genius, and Artie Shaw, genius in his own way. Mm -hmm. And the combination of the two with that particular song, Begin the Begin, translating it from vocal to instrumental, because Artie yeah. Shaw could have had a vocalist come in and right. sing it, but for some reason, he decided to do it just as an instrumental. And that's another point that we didn't really bring up, was the diversity of the song in that way as well. How many songs do you know today? that have both an instrumental and vocal version of the exact same song. Yeah, and are equally wonderful. Yeah, and equally enjoyed. Yeah, exactly. So for all of the above reasons, Begin the Begin is a transcendent tune in our books. 
Absolutely. And that's all I'm going to say about it. That's all you're going to say about it. <laughs> that's all I got on Begin the Begin. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. This and other podcasts that we do, we'd love to hear something back from you. How you felt about the podcast. Do you have any comments, observations, agree, disagree with what we're saying? Sing us a tune and maybe we'll play it for you. Maybe you'll be the next Frank Sinatra. We could make you famous. Make you famous. Right? Yeah. Thesillpodcast.com. Write a message. Voice a message. Hit the donate button. Why not? We can use your support and any little bit helps. Thanks again, Harry. No, thank you. Ciao. Ciao. The Sill Podcast, Perspectives on Art and Technology, is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com.